0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back. And better than last week, we hope, uh, what the announcer said still goes. Alex and I, Alex and Lou, are still employed here at the NFL Draft Blitz. And we're ready to rock and roll. You know, we're moving into Christmas. The season's fastly coming to a close here as far as, you know, getting to the playoffs. But this is where it really gets interesting. Every game seems to have playoff implications. One, you know, kind of did. But, uh, Alex, well, first off, what's going on? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Lou. Just enjoyed another uh, great week of of the NFL, and uh, maybe it's not a bad thing to to pull your starter, put him on the bench, and I'm talking about Carson Wentz, and insert a rookie quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and and the Eagles got the win in, in his first start against Saints of all teams, and they had a 17 to nothing lead at halftime. I realized that it wasn't all about Hurts. He still has ways to go as a passer, but he got it done on, on the ground. He gives the Eagles that extra dimension running the football, something that, that Carson Wentz wasn't giving them. And Miles Sanders was great, and he was running wild. and. I mean, they made a change at quarterback, and it paid off. And the team looked like it was motivated. It wasn't just the running game; the defense was playing at a different pace, almost like they fired their coach. And sometimes changes needed. And I was just I was glad to see a different Eagles team uh, than what they've had with uh, Carson Wentz the, the past couple of weeks. And according to Bovada Sportsbook, the Eagles are six point underdogs versus the Arizona Cardinals. This week, so we'll see if they'll be able to keep it going. Jalen Hurts has got a long way to go as a passer. We knew that because it was his first start, but getting the win was certainly nice, and it certainly has playoff implication when it comes to the NFC East.
0: Absolutely, and um, you know Jalen. I mean, he's won, he won in high school. He won at Alabama. Yeah, two it took over for him. But then he goes to Oklahoma. He's in the Heisman you know conversation finalist. I mean, he's done what's what's asked of him, right? I mean, he's I mean he's a good player. I think this is more a question of you know does this create a solution. Or is it a problem for Philadelphia? I guess that's that's kind of where the where the rubber's going to meet the road, right? At the end of the season, after he's played his few games, you know, what what does Philadelphia do?
1: I think it's going to create a huge problem, especially if he keeps winning. And if he keeps winning, then the Eagles are going to say we're going to roll with him. But what do you do with wins? We discussed it last right. week. Another great game that I think uh, caught both of our eyes are um, on Monday night. It was the Ravens versus the Browns, and man, Lou, I I gotta say this: after I had a chance to to watch that game, I can confidently say that that was the best game that I've seen all year.
0: It was, I mean, true theater. I mean, I mean, as I watched it, and then you know, kind of watched it again through highlights and condensed version of the game. I mean, it was just, you know, I kept thinking to myself, "Is this a game or is this a movie?" And the more I kept thinking of it, a you know, movie fan, a big Marvel fan, and I'm thinking, what what could this be? What could this be? And then it just it just popped into my head: Civil War. You got the old Browns versus the new Browns. You got, they're in the same division, so yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a civil war. And you know, okay, who's who? So I'm looking at Team Cap. And I guess that's, you know, captain's going to have to be uh, Lamar Jackson in this case. And Team Iron Man, and that, that was Baker. You know, everything that during the course of the game was just, you know, the anti-hero Baker, you know, starts out the game hot. You know, I mean, he's, he brings the team right down the field. Uh, you know, Lamar kind of puts on his captain outfit, and uh, he becomes Lamar again i don't know was it the shield what 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 it was but all of a sudden he starts making plays with his legs and again he kind of let go of the fact that hey you know i'm gonna try to be a pocket passer now no just be you man chubb and hunt were doing their thing obviously they they added to the whole thing uh keeping uh, team iron man in, in 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 the fight if you would we'll call chubb the black panther and hunt the war machine but yeah, it was just—it just—it was just great. I mean, from the, from the beginning to the end, and it was just you know action, drama, mystery, suspense, comedy. I mean, it was all in there. I mean, what, I could I could point to one thing for each of those categories. But I mean, what really struck you about the game?
1: Well, just the fact that Lamar Jackson went out with an injury, and you don't think he's going to get back in. All of a sudden, he goes in there on fourth down, and he finds marquise hollywood brown down the field for that touchdown i just think it, it was one of those games of who had the ball last lou whoever had the ball last was going to score and was going to walk away the victor you know the ravens were were fortunate enough to have one of the best field goal kickers uh, one of the best kickers in the nfl probably the best kicker in the nfl the most reliable one as far as i'm concerned than in, uh, in justin tucker that probably what stuck out to me it's almost like back and forth back and forth we might see this matchup again because both teams the Ravens and the Browns deserve to be in the playoffs
0: oh yeah most definitely I mean the way the way it's looking now I mean the Browns came off of that game against Tennessee and you're thinking well you know it was that a, a real thing and they played well enough I don't want to say win the game but they were definitely in it and they had every opportunity. But and and then I'm I'm thinking back right at the end of the first half. It was kind of a nothing play, right? It was kind of a Hail Mary, but but Baker Mayfield, I think he threw the ball like seventy yards in the air.
1: Was that where the the defender hit right the Chuck Chuck
0: Clark, who in our little skit here becomes Ant Man because it and because he didn't get hurt, was kind of the 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 humorous part of things, the comedy here where he slams into the goalpost and, and he was trying to intercept that that missile that uh, Iron Man launched there. I got plenty more.
1: All right, go ahead, go ahead. I'm uh, I'm all ears. Well, like just I said, the, the whole the whole you di- found you know a movie analogy when it comes to, to this <laughs> Monday
0: night game. Well, just when it looked like you know you know Team Cap was going to put them away, all of a sudden you know Iron Man you know Baker brings them back you know a couple of times, and then Cap just disappears. Where did he go? You know they need him to save the day. What's what's going on here? But you know did he take off with Agent Carter? Is you know some secret mission that that we don't know about when you know the fight is right here, but I guess that that was like kind of like the mysterious part of things because there was all sorts of stuff floating around. I mean, if you're on Twitter, oh he's you know he's pulling a Paul Pierce. <laughs> uh, oh no 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 he had cramps and then they they show him running and well that doesn't look like a cramp run to me. But anyway, he comes back. The guy who actually took over for him we'll call Bucky the 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 Winter Soldier, his, his buddy. And and he probably made the biggest play of the game on that third down, right? Or it's third and ten, and you're thinking, they got no shot here, this game's over. And he finds Willie Sneed, steps up in the pocket, but then I guess what was it wasn't on the third down play, after they get the first down, he hurts his knee, Cap sees that, I got to go save my buddy, bang, he's in the game, hits Hollywood Brown, who... Who was he? Snead, I think, was going to be Falcon. And then. Oh, Hollywood Brown was the Scarlet Witch. Okay, so the Scarlet wow. Witch. So yeah, for, that's an so, interesting for analogy so for so for your uh, Marvel fans out there, our Marvel fans out there, you'll probably follow this a lot closer than really anybody else, and I'm getting a little lost myself. But last gasp, I mean, obviously Cap, you know, comes to the rescue, you know, does his thing. The War Machine, you know, and Iron Man did their best. They brought it back, but then finally, you know, like you said, the greatest kicker in the game, Hawkeye Tucker. Nails it. But of course, like every Avenger movie, there has to be an added scene at the end. And this was the comical part of the last play of the game. It really doesn't matter, right? I mean, right? But no. According to Bovada, the Browns were three-point underdogs. So you've got to push, okay? But they go into the Keystone Cops... For the younger crowd out there, maybe it's the uh, trailer park boys come out and they just start winging the ball around. Next thing you know, Jarvis Landry's standing in the back of his own end zone and the game goes to 47 42. If you had the Browns, you lose. Yeah, it was funny to some, but not so funny if you had the Browns. So. Yeah, that would
1: not those people in Vegas. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, those people in Vegas were crying <laughs> at the end of that game who had the Browns. Yeah, so, well, see, that, I think you know the
0: Vegas guys. The they're probably think, you know they you know either way they're gonna win. They get the, you know they get the juice. They get the edge. The losers always has to pay a little extra money. So. Anyway, and and one quick thing, sticking with the, the the superhero thing, there was a couple of plays. You know, you can go back, Google them, or you know, anybody that, that watched football this weekend probably saw them. Was Xavier Howard's interception over Tyree Kill, which was just incredible. And then not to be outdone, Kenny Moore, a similar play in the end zone over uh, Darren Waller, Inter- one-handed interceptions, both of them, both great players. Xavier Howard, maybe. We talked about Jalen Ramsey and the Defensive Player of the Year. Wow, Xavier Howard's doing a job for the Dolphins. So
1: that's he's got eight picks now. right? nine? I think that was eight picks on the season. That might have so. been
0: nine. I don't know.
1: I mean, he's up there in the, in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's just not being talked about. And in those circles uh, on TV. He's just not one of the guys being mentioned. And he's on a winning team. This isn't like the Dolphins are are a losing franchise and they don't matter. They're in the playoffs. Do you think it's
0: because Byron Jones plays with him too? You know, Jalen Ramsey, they've got some young guys. But I mean, it's not like, you know, Byron Jones is a Pro Bowl player too, right? Does it kind of take some of the... The shine, if you would, off is what Xavier Howard's doing. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's just incredible to me and I just watching that game. that was just the the most amazing play I saw all weekend.
1: Both guys are great, but Howard has been here before. This isn't like is his breakout year this year. He's always been a ball hog. When he's out there, he's not hurt durability has been a question mark with him throughout the years but when he's on the field it seems like he he has a nose for the ball he's very instinctive and he's a ball hog he's almost like a wide receiver out there if if the ball is thrown in his vicinity he's going to make the play so it's incredibly dangerous to to test those two corners again byron jones is great but howard is just lethal kind of like a a lethal weapon out there another Movie classic. There you go you know, with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Um, well, since we're doing movie analogies, this podcast, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep up with you. Jump in, man. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not big on Marvel. Um, I'm not big on these Avenger movies. I have to be honest. There, uh, I'm more of a Batman guy or a Spider-Man DC guy. DC kind Yeah, I, I do enjoy them a little bit more. Uh, but be old school a little bit. We had about what four or five of these. Lethal Weapon movies. Um, I think Mel Gibson is going to try to make another one. I'm sure like 80 years old, he's going to try to bring back the franchise. You know, speaking of a team that's just been on fire and they've been beating some good teams the past couple of weeks, it's the Buffalo Bills. And we have to start with the most important player on the roster, a guy who has been doubted many times by many people, including yours truly, Alex Kavtov, we got to talk about Josh Allen because he is certainly up there in the MVP conversation. He's having a great season, Luke.
0: He is. We, I mean, we kind of mentioned him last podcast, and I think it came up when we were, we were talking about Carson Wentz, right, and what, what we think, you know, was, was his issues where, where Josh Allen it was like the exact opposite, where his game looked like he was just... A wild man, and now all of a sudden he looks like this polished quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Again, I mean, it's not like this this guy's the doctor, but you know, Jordan Palmer might uh, might have something going here, and Josh Allen just he looked like Ben did ten years ago. You know, it looked like the the teams have kind of flip flopped. Yeah, the the bills look very very strong. You know, the, you can't say enough about what the the digs trade has 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 meant for Josh Allen's development as as well. But I think the work that he put in in the offseason, coupled with the coaching Brian Dable, yeah, he's he's a great player, and you, you got to put him up there because they're they're in the hunt for uh, maybe not the number one seed, but uh, they certainly look like they're you know they're going to win that division.
1: Oh, they definitely will and uh this week uh, bovada has the bills minus six on the road uh, against the broncos but let's come back to you what you said about stefan diggs i mean many other nfl teams should take notice they should take a note of this because if you bring in a number one wide receiver it completely changes your entire offense when a guy runs routes the way stefan diggs runs routes and gets open um it, it seems like he's always like five feet you know, away from the defender it doesn't matter if he's running a streak or a post or or an in route or you know a curl route cornerbacks just can't keep up because he's so quick and he's got that 4-4 four, four speed the arizona cardinals added deandre hopkins Kyler murray started playing better when you have the number one guy, it makes it easier. Same thing with Josh Allen. I'm not saying it's all Stefan Diggs because you've got a rookie wide receiver and Gabriel Davis who is also having a nice season. He's a fourth-rounder, and he's been stepping up. But last year, the Bills had John Brown. I mean, with all due respect, John Brown is a veteran. He's been in this league, but he's a third wide receiver on a roster. And when you bring in a number one guy, he definitely makes – your quarterback's job a lot easier. I always thought, Lou, if you're not an accurate quarterback in college, that you're not gonna all of a sudden become an accurate quarterback in the NFL because it's something that can't be developed. Accuracy and ball placement, either you have it or you don't. Arm strength is, is the most overrated thing in the world. But when Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming and he was a late bloomer, He was a JUCO guy, and he didn't have stars around him at that program. He had the arm strength, he had the size, uh, he had great athleticism, the dual threat ability, but he has improved, his completion percentage from last year to this year has improved nearly 10%. That's an incredible jump. Soon, if he keeps going down this road, soon he's going to approach, like, Drew Brees' territory. He's going to become, like, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the entire league. And I'm not trying to hype him up because against the Steelers, he did struggle in the first half. All right? He threw a bad interception in the first quarter off his back foot. He almost threw another pick in the second quarter. There was an INT that bounced off the tight end's hands. Uh, that was ruled an interception as well so bill's offense struggled in the first half i mean they only scored like three points and and josh allen was to blame for it as well but you know what he bounced back in the second half he came out swinging in that third quarter he was absolutely on fire he was amazing you would think that the steelers would be the team to come out and they would be firing on all cylinders, but that wasn't the case. It was Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So he's almost like the exception, Lou. I'm never going to say from now on that, hey, just because you're, you've got a strong arm and you're an athlete and a dual-threat quarterback, every quarterback is going to be able to develop his accuracy and ball placement at the next level. He is the exception to this rule in the last 20 years.
0: Well, I think a few things that you mentioned probably, you know, attribute to that higher completion percentage. And one, I think just just the kid himself taking it upon himself to go out and get some help because he realized that I've got to change something. Two, you mentioned digs. That makes a huge difference. You see the separation that he gets. It's a lot easier to be accurate when the guy's wide open, right? Diggs kind of took over that game in the second half. I mean, it was like he was running they were running routes on air. I mean, the, the Steelers defensive backs, you know, aren't the greatest, but they were also banged up a bit. But, you know, Diggs did a great job. And then again, Brian Dable's uh play calling has to do with it too. As Allen progresses he calls the game a little bit differently, too, and maybe he's not calling as much as those shot plays that he was just air mailing. And like you said, John Brown not being a number one receiver, you know, it was more difficult. So, yeah, a lot of those things come into play, but I think it really comes down to the individual and the work that he puts in, because I'm sure mechanics had a lot to do with it, too. Not that everybody that has mechanical issues is going to all of a sudden turn their accuracy up as much as Allen has, but it's got to help. So I think all those factors probably have something to do with it.
1: But again, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I, I, this guy couldn't couldn't find an open wide receiver at Wyoming, right. even if he wanted to, because his footwork was a mess. And I didn't think that he belonged in the top 10. I didn't think he belonged in the first round, that people were just – so enamored by his physical tools and the Buffalo Bills were so enamored that they traded up in order to get the guy and you know what their GM was right and they've done wonders that that coaching staff and give Brian Dable a head coaching job this is what it's all about when you develop a quarterback when your offense is clicking like this when you've got a real receiver as your number one guy give him the job he definitely deserves it this offseason uh, teams should definitely look long and hard at nick saban's you know disciple because i mean he's he was on saban's staff for, for a couple of years at alabama
0: he coached with uh, new england for a bit too as well correct
1: yeah i think he's yeah he's got that that whole coaching tree he's He's been around some some really good coaches to see. Well, words.
0: how about some of the other younger guys? Which which ones of these guys might have the same opportunity, if you would, as Josh Allen? Uh, maybe not necessarily with the team that they're on, but you know perhaps in another situation, get the clean slate, put in the work, you know maybe in the off season and get some of those bad habits out of the way and get clicking again because you know obviously again it can happen it's very rare because i'm sure for every 10 of those guys alex that you that you kind of rate the way you did josh allen he's certainly the exception because i'm sure 8 to 8 or 9 of those guys are just flaming out but as far as the guys that we're looking at we talked about a couple you know in the previous weeks Wentz, darnold and, and for different reasons too right
1: what are we talking about? Are we talking about stardom? Are we talking about guys that I believe will will become stars in a few years? If we're talking about stars, then we have to turn to those rookie quarterbacks. We have to go with Justin Herbert because he is absolutely lit up this league on fire during his rookie season. He's going to shatter that, that touchdown record that Baker Mayfield made. Uh, came up with a couple of years ago when he was a rookie for for the Cleveland Browns See, I think he has like 26 touchdowns yeah right I now. think he's one he's one he, away maybe he's taken a step back the past couple of weeks but you couldn't I mean he wasn't gonna put up like 35 40 touchdowns that San Diego Chargers team isn't very good and you're asking a lot uh, put, a dola- put a dollar
0: and, in the jar Los Angeles Chargers Alex
1: Los Angeles Chargers, yeah, I, I hate that. Just like the the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, you can't expect a rookie quarterback to be on fire for sixteen games because somebody is going to make him look. Well, it was again. He did get. I mean, yeah, it was. It was Belichick.
0: Belichick crushes these rookies. You know, for his entire lifetime, I mean, that was one. And then Raheem Morris with that You know, Atlanta's defense has been getting better but again he you know he made some plays when they needed him but yeah i agree with you i mean he's i don't want to say a a revelation but to have expected this <laughs> this soon i mean obviously the the coaching staff didn't or they would have made him the starter right off the get go and you know the injury to Tyrod Taylor i mean you know, you feel bad for Tyrod but i mean it was a, a blessing in disguise wasn't it i mean to the nth degree
1: Absolutely, but I don't think it was a blessing in in disguise for Anthony Lynn, because you know he's not keeping that job past this season. So when he doesn't, and that whole coaching staff gets fired, that means Justin Herbert is going to be for another learning curve next year, because he's going to have to learn a new offensive system, he's going to have a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterbacks coach. I'm sure he's going to have a little bit of a sophomore slump, because you're not staying in the same offensive system. And and people are going to be saying what's going on with herbert well everybody has sophomore slumps so i'm not going to pay much attention to it next year i also have to talk about joe burrow before his injury burrow looked like the savior for the cincinnati Bengals. i mean no quarterback since forever maybe since carson palmer a little bit um has looked good In a Cincinnati Bengal uniform, including Andy Dalton, by the way. I'm putting him in that conversation. Joe Burrow looks like the savior, the local kid. I mean, he just seems to have that heart, that leadership, that he believes that he's the best player on the football field. I wish him well in his recovery. With modern medicine today, I'm sure he's going to recover, but I'm excited to see him play once again because he has certainly, before that injury, lived up to that number one billing. So those are the two the top two guys for me that jump into this conversation. Who else do you think is is bound to to become a star out of these young guys? Okay. Well I guess
0: a couple of these guys have been around for a while. I mean obviously Kyler Murray, this is just his second year. So I, I think as time goes on and they keep uh, adjusting that offense, and they and they have, I mean, it's not the traditional air raid and they're we're going to run a play every 12 seconds. You know, I mean, that was just going to be crazy in the NFL. That's just, just not going to work. I think, I mean, he definitely has a chance to be a superstar. The one that, you know, and some of these guys you feel bad for, but Deshaun Watson, I think this is going to be a huge... I guess, kind of fork in the road here for his ongoing development. Because I think, yes, he's a great player, but I think he can become an even greater player depending on who they bring in, how they structure kind of the front office, because that seems to be the biggest mess in Houston. But the coach... And the system that they Im- imply, because anybody that comes in is got to make the system around Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's just that's just obvious, of course. No matter who comes in, that's what they're going to do. So, and again, that's just kind of like Mr. Obvious. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's a great player, but this is going to be interesting to see how that goes. I know you like Sam Darnold. You you can talk about him a little bit. Tua is is an interesting one. That was the first full game I watched. They played the Chiefs last week, and I'm not going to apologize for being a fan. I am a fan, so yes, I watch all the Chiefs games. And he really impressed me because he didn't have a lot of weapons around him that game. His wide receivers were banged up. They were down to their, I don't know, their third or fourth string running back. Actually, DeAndre Washington, who was on the Chiefs practice squad earlier this year, ends up starting because... I think Miles Gaskin went on the COVID list. But anyway, I mean for the, with the lack of weapons that he had, what he was able to do. Now again, the Chiefs defense isn't that great, but his ball placement, his poise, I mean everything that you liked about him coming out of, of Alabama, he is what he is. That that's that's the key. So I think as long as They can get him some more weapons, protect him, and just play the way he plays. I don't know about Superstar, but he'll definitely have that team in playoff contention just about every year. I mean, I I really liked what he was able to do.
1: I've got questions about Tua, and the major question, Mark coming out of Alabama was his durability right well he's not the biggest guy in the world and he's already had three injuries in college granted not ACL injuries but something that's affecting his ankle and uh, that that could take its toll with time and if you're injury prone in college it's gonna catch up with you in the NFL you're gonna get hit a lot more and I just I get the feeling that Tua's ceiling is a lot lower than some of these other guys, just because I think his durability is always going to come to the forefront, and that's something that's going to haunt Tua. And I was surprised he was still a top 10 pick. It seemed like the Dolphins did a lot of homework on him, and uh, they obviously felt good about it uh, because of his leadership. So it has nothing to do with his skill, but it has more to do with the fact that can he stay around long enough and can he play out 16 games every season uh bovada actually has the dolphins as a one and a half point favorite versus the patriots uh this week so we'll we'll find that's out an interesting number that is
0: a very interesting number that's yeah, a little foreshadowing for me, I, would <laughs> I like to drop a few hints and teases Drew Locke that... is one that we should talk about because Denver, again, is going to be, here we are, another offseason and another offseason. We're talking about the Denver quarterback situation. You know, John Elway is a beloved in that community and with, with great reason. And it would be awfully difficult, nearly impossible for you know, the Bolin family to say, well, you know, John, you, you just, this is, this is really not going anywhere. Okay. I mean, the coach, every coach you hire, you end up recycling the quarterbacks. You're not, you're not really picking the right guys. I don't know what he is. I mean, seriously. I mean, you watch him this past game, you know, I mean, I had, you know, Carolina this week over Denver and he, he played lights out, you know, throws four touchdown passes. KJ Hamler makes some big plays. The week before, he looked horrible. And he's he's had more of those horrible games than he's had good games. But when he's good, he's really good. So the consistency isn't there. But again, the, the sample size is really small. Can you afford, if you're Denver that supposedly you know has a decent defense, once you get some of these guys back, if Von Miller comes back healthy and everything else, can you afford to kind of keep, going to the well with all these different quarterbacks
1: i think he's fighting for his job right here he's got what the the final couple of weeks to to show what he's made of if he puts a couple of more of these games together like he did against the carolina panthers i think the denver broncos will say hey we're we've got something we'll move on with him we might bring in some competition by drafting day D3 quarterback, but we'll stick with Drew Locke in, in 2021. I didn't like Locke coming out of college. He reminded me a lot of Josh Allen without the, the crazy athleticism, and then he was more of a pocket passer, but I want to see if he can develop. Josh Allen proved me wrong. It can happen again. Drew Locke can prove me wrong, but right now I'm just not seeing it because he's got a better offensive line this year. Mike Munchak has, has done an amazing job with that group. Garrett Bowles is is going to go to the Pro Bowl most likely, and that's insane how he struggled the first couple of years. Um, Got a big extension, didn't he? I just think he did get an mm-hmm. extension, and I think he's going to be in the Pro Bowl. No questions asked because he's been one of the better left tackles this year. I know a lot of people aren't watching the Denver Broncos, and I'm on, the only one that's probably Nor watching the games. <laughs> and they shouldn't and they shouldn't they should be watching the chiefs the raiders you know, they're a lot more entertaining or justin herbert just because well those teams have going.
0: to play against someone so i guess you do have to watch denver occasionally
1: i'm just not a believer <laughs> in true luck i'm seeing like you said I'm, I'm seeing too many inconsistencies in his game uh he's so on and off and i saw the same thing in college and i just think against some worse defenses he is putting up those numbers against some of the better defenses that can disguise their coverage he he gets fooled but i'm sure elway still wants to find this guy so it's too early to to pull the plug on drew lock i mean it's
0: it may not be lock's fault it may just be the history there that he that they may not be as patient with him because of all the failings they've had before
1: yeah, yeah, but they've they failed to to draft these guys, and yeah. I think that that definitely goes on Elway. He is the one to blame because he is he's making these picks. I mean, we can go through the names, but he's traded for some guys, he's drafted some guys. It just it hasn't worked since Peyton Manning left town. Um, let's talk about some a couple other guys. Where are we? Obviously, we know where I stand with Sam Darnold. I think with the different franchise. He's got a shot with the with a different franchise and a good offensive coordinator. I think Sam Darnold has a chance to resurrect his career. Well, the one he has a chance to resurrect his career and and be a a good player in this league. Maybe not a a big time quarterback, not a top five quarterback, but he certainly has a chance to be in that top ten category. So I'm I'm sticking to my guns. I'm saying I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold just yet. Where do we stand on the rest of the guys like from that draft? Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield.
0: Well, I you know, I, I did some some categories and I put Baker in the kind of like the young quarterback but low ceiling. Okay. I think this is what we're gonna get from Baker. And as long as they keep, you know, these weapons around him, have the strong running game, that he can put up some numbers. I don't think you can you really want him carrying the team. I don't think he, that's going to be his thing. I don't think it's. that's just not going to go that way. And, it's, and I would put him sort of in the category as golf. Not the same player, but just the same kind of parameters that you want to keep on. You want to keep a strong running game, get the ball in this playmaker's hands, and not rely on him to win games for you. As far as Lamar is concerned, as long as I think the wheels hold out, he's going to be you know a force to be reckoned with because you just can't defenses aren't designed you know for that for that guy that the best athlete to be behind the center as time goes on you know maybe defenses will you know start to catch up but as long as he has those wheels and they can play from ahead or close he's going to be a problem The issues come when they're not able to do that, and that is going to happen on occasion. Nobody goes into games, you know, no matter how well you prepare or how much better you are than the other team. Some days you're just not going to have it. You're going to get behind, and you're going to need him to hit some passes. And if he can stay between the numbers, he's great. Anything outside of the numbers, that's where you want. If you're a defense, that's where you want him throwing. So. You have to play a certain way with him, but he can be highly effective. I don't know that he'll be an MVP again. I think that was kind of an outlier where he threw for however many thirty six touchdowns or whatever he did last year. But I think you can certainly win a lot of games with him.
1: It's amazing that we're having this conversation with the guy that won an MVP in his first year as a full-time starting quarterback. Right, and now we're saying that I don't think he's ever going to win the MVP again. So, are we saying that Lamar Jackson's ceiling is a lot lower than some of these other guys that we've mentioned previously, uh, the past you know 10 15 minutes? And in, in this, segment? I think
0: so, just because I don't know if you can have it all, maybe you can, as far as the complete package. I mean, if he's got the legs and all of a sudden he develops the accuracy that Josh Allen has been able to do, then forget it. You know, game's over, right? He'll become the greatest player ever. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen. I don't know if it's a work ethic thing. I don't know. I don't think that is the case. I think he is a hard worker. I just don't know that you can... Have everything at that position. it's just uh, it, maybe it's it's some intangible out there or something. You know, he obviously he's got God-given skills, but one of them wasn't accuracy. So I got to keep it a little bit lower for him.
1: I want to ask your opinion on uh, two more guys before we get off this segment. I want to get your opinion on Dak Prescott. Where you stand on this? I mean, do you think he can be a a top five quarterback? And do you think Carson Wentz, we talked about him last week, can resurrect his career, if not with the Eagles, then somewhere else because he's young enough? Well, Dak,
0: I think, I guess has proven that he's a a very good player, a great player in, in a lot of cases we talked about where you land where you go is very important and everybody assumes the here dallas cowboys america's team they've got all the re you know everything that you could possibly want but it really does seem like a dysfunctional—they make money despite themselves. I mean, I don't, obviously, Jerry Jones is a tremendous promoter. He has helped take in the league to where it's at right now as far as teams maximizing their earning potential. But as far as the play on the field, they haven't won anything in 25 years. I think that— Dak has shown that he can win despite that, but not win big, win the division, win playoff game, many playoff games, go deep into the playoffs. I think individually, if you put him on the right team in a better situation, he can be that. But again, I don't think it's going to be the transcendent player, but he can be a highly effective winning player. Again, in the right situation.
1: It's amazing. You talk about Dak Prescott. Don't the Cowboys realize that? I mean, they seem to hand out money to but everyone. But they didn't pay him. Right? That's, they, the, that's th- Yeah, they didn't pay him. It's like Jalen Smith, here you go, whatever you want. Right. Tyron Smith, uh, okay, Zeke, go ahead. Even if you're declining, we're willing to pay you. But the most important player on that offense, a guy who has gotten better every year, and they seem to basically say, all right, you're, you're going to play on that franchise tag, or you got injured, uh, we'll think about it. I mean, we'll, we'll see how you progress from that injury, um, and then we'll think about whether, you know, they'll pay him, obviously, but they've got some negotiating power now, the, the Joneses do. And by the way, Stephen Jones has, has gone on radio, and he has made it official, basically, by saying, hey, Mike McCarthy is going to be back.
0: I don't think they're backing off. I mean, it takes you know, it's gonna take Jerry Jones a lot to admit that he's made made some mistakes. And I don't think he's gonna admit it that quickly, even though they've become whatever they are. Uh they're in the worst division and they could possibly be the worst situation in that division.
1: The only time that Jerry Jones is gonna admit his mistakes will be on his right. deathbed. Th- that's where it's going to happen because once you get his age, you should have already admitted some of your past mistakes, but that's not what he's trying to do. So when it's his time to go, I think that's when I he's going to admit to his this mistakes. This may have
0: come up on an earlier show. I don't know, but I just, I, it's, it's almost, I, I hate to say it, but it's almost like an Al Davis thing. Right, I mean, he got to a point where it was just he ran everything. He every decision came through him. You know, the coaches reported directly to him. Everything ran through him, and he was losing it. And it set that franchise back how many years? I mean, they're still dealing with a lot of those issues. And I think maybe you know Stephen Jones is going to be left holding that bag too. Dak may actually do well to just say, you know what. If you're going to franchise me again, fine, but I don't know that he would want to sign long term. Now the injury may may factor into this and he may be looking for a long term deal because I think that's where the disconnect was. It, again, that's what was reported that he wanted a shorter deal, Cowboys wanted a longer deal. Who knows who's right, but I think as a just talking about him as a player, he can be a very good NFL quarterback, top 10. I don't know about top five, but definitely top 10.
1: Can somebody fix Wentz really quickly?
0: If anybody can do it, I guess it's Jordan Palmer. I'm sure there's other people out there. I just You just hear about him a little bit more. He works with all these kids. Everybody speaks highly of him, what they do and how they work together. And I think he was working with Sam and Josh Allen over this summer. Both guys are from California. They got to be very close. So Sam needs another summer and get into a different situation. Maybe Wentz, if that's if he kind of humbles himself and says, "Hey, this is broken. Whatever I'm doing, I've got to fix it. And it's not going to happen in training camp or during the season. I have to go out on my own and just hey, I got to get this straight. Maybe it doesn't have to be Jordan Palmer. It might be you know it might be other you know quarterback coaches or guys uh, have worked with. Um, Tom House, the former uh, relief pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Many quarterbacks have worked with him as far as you know throwing motion and, and things like that. And he's got a name. But there's many guys out there that, that could do it. But again, it has to come down to the individual. So if he's willing to do that, obviously he's shown that, that he could play in the league and play at a high level. It's just regressed and he's got all sorts of issues going on. And I think a lot of them are probably mental from getting hit so much and getting hurt so much.
1: All I'm saying is there's a story out there of Matt Schaub who had about three or four good years in the NFL and then all of a sudden threw a couple of pick sixes and it got in his head, and he never recovered after that. He was a really good quarterback there for about three or four seasons. For Houston, right? Right, and then he just never recovered, and uh, after that he was gone. So I don't know, if, if Wentz can can go to a psychologist, fix upstairs a little bit more than what's out there in terms of him being a football player. He's got to get that together. If he does, I think he'll stay in the league for the next 10 years, even if it's not with the Eagles. Let's move on to the central game this weekend in the NFL. Uh, This is the granddaddy of them all, as Keith Jackson used to say about the Rose Bowl on, on January 1st. Uh, Bovada has the Chiefs minus three over the Saints this week. But it seems like when the Chiefs want to turn it on, they can turn it on with, with the snap of their fingers. So if they're interested in playing, they can get it done really quickly, especially that offense. The Saints obviously had a down week. They lost to the Eagles. The Eagles ran all over them, and they've got to fix that. Uh, they've, They've got to find their answers in terms of their rushing defense. I think Taysom Hill is going to be fine. The one problem that I have with the Saints, it seems like Taysom Hill has been inserted in the lineup, and Sean Payton almost has forgotten about his most important weapon, and that's Alvin Kamara. Where is he, Luke?
0: yeah I've got that in my notes as well. I mean, they, as far as keys to the game is for New Orleans, make Alvin Kamara a bigger part of the game plan. I mean, in the passing game and the running it, whatever, I mean, just get him the ball. When we did our show of the midseason MVP, I brought him up as a potential candidate. Now it was kind of on the outskirts and other running backs have kind of filled, you know filled that void. Yeah, I mean, his touches have gone down like almost 50%. So I think a lot of those runs uh, are being taken by the quarterback. And maybe that gives them an advantage. You know, an extra blocker, nobody's accounting for the quarterback type thing. I don't know, but uh, I'm never going to question Sean Payton as far as offensive football. I mean, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Yeah, it just seems awfully strange that, you know, arguably your best player is diminished Rather than increase his load, is he saving him for the playoffs? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a very interesting question. I'd I'd love to ask Sean Payton directly, but uh, unfortunately, he was busy this week and we couldn't get him.
1: And the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes throws three picks against the Miami Dolphins and they still win. It seems like it doesn't matter. I mean, Mahomes can throw five picks in a game, but he can, he'll he throw for a couple of touchdowns and they'll still win the game. And that defense is underrated. I mean, we saw them turn it on in the playoffs last year. You know, they've got some pieces out there. A lot of people are always saying that offense is great, that defense stinks. That's a lot further from the truth. I mean, if you watch the games, the, the defense has pieces and has playmakers, still have Matthew, they have Chris Jones, who is who is one of the better defensive linemen that nobody ever talks about. When the Chiefs are interested, and I know they will be interested in the playoffs because it's going to be one-and-done thing, I don't think anybody is going to beat them, Lou. I mean, that's just that's the truth. It's been a crazy year, and those teams that kept their core together, which the Chiefs have done, are gonna have success in the playoffs, and I just don't see anybody beating the Chiefs in that one and done game in the playoffs.
0: I hope you're right. They were pretty confident bunch, you know, last year, the year before, you know, no problem. That then they, you know, they lost to uh, to New England in the championship game. They get behind in those two games in the playoffs last year, and they just come like an avalanche, the Houston game, the Tennessee game, they're supremely confident that they can, like you said, flip the switch. I mean, it's like, you know, when the Warriors had KD and... Uh, Steph and Clay, and, and they could just, you know, they would just hit you with an avalanche. They might go through a stretch where they don't score for a few minutes, and the next thing you know, they've hit like 10 threes and they, the game's over. To your point, so far, it has never not worked for them. So until that happens, I think there's always gonna be in the back of their minds, like, hey, you know, we got this, you know, no worries, it, it's okay. And it always has been. And maybe that's just that's Mahomes, that's Kelsey, that's having all those weapons and you he at his disposal so any one of them could light you up in a very quick amount of time. And now, you know, you're adding Le'Veon Bell, and I think you'll start seeing him more and more as, you know, the season winds down and into the playoffs. So, yeah, it, it's as a fan sometimes it's difficult. Like, you know, what what are they waiting for? You know, why do we have to get behind before we can start, you know, really getting this thing going? But, I mean, last week the, the interceptions, that was – that was strange because he hadn't, you know, he'd only thrown, I think, uh, two uh, coming into the game, and then he throws three in that game. Couple tip balls, and then the the Xavier Howard play. I mean, you, you just got to tip your cap and say you just made the play, dude.
1: All right, I've been looking forward to it the the entire show. Let's let's get to our next segment.
0: You're talking about the pick segment, Alex. That's right. Here we go. First, let's recap last week real quick. Two and two. You know, the ugly game of the week was that, but we were on the wrong end again. the The Raiders. Gosh. And then I talked about Carolina. You know, they were three and a half point favorite. Uh, Denver won. I drew Locke throws four touchdowns. The two winners were the Rams. Uh, They kind of humiliated new england I mean, it's 24-3 to but i mean new england was never in that game never really threatened i mean it, it was just just ugly and then tennessee kind of got their get right game as i kind of expected going into jacksonville and derrick henry does derrick henry things you know 200 another 200 yards couple touchdowns and he just ruins jacksonville i think every time they play so two and two 12 14 and one for the year uh let's look at this this week real quick I'm not going to really, you know, go into a lot of reasoning on this particular pick and it's just the fact that the Jets are just horrible. Yeah, it's low-hanging fruit, but uh, hey, we're two games under 500. We need all the help we can get. I'm going to take the Rams minus 17 and a half. Yeah, that's right. I'm giving 17 and a half, but whatever juice the Jets had, I think they lost when Williams left. And now I think they're just completely Oblivious and just dead. The other game, I'm going against a huge trend here. Bill Belichick normally just crushes rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. I don't know what the it's like 21 and five. I don't know what the the category is, how they classify it, but especially rookies. But I think in this case, New England has always had issues going down to Miami late in the year, even when they obviously Brady was there. Always issues. So I'm going to take Miami in this case minus one and a half it looks like a trap it feels like a trap but i don't care we're gonna barrel through we're taking the dolphins had a couple ugly ones here i may have to come off of the the giants i was thinking giants over cleveland i heard today that uh, jason garrett tested positive for covid and in the twist of all twists keeping that movie theme, somehow Freddie Kitchens will be calling plays against the Browns. So I don't know Uh, if I can bet on that or against it. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm going to leave that game go. The other game, and again, I'm I'm torn here because I don't know if Alex Smith is going to play. The line might change if Haskins is the quarterback, but I'm just going to leave it at this. Seattle, again, you really can't take anything from them crushing the Jets other than they did their job. Again, coming cross-country, playing early window, I'll take the football team with six points.
1: Speaking of Seattle Seahawks, safety Jamal Adams set an NFL record on Sunday. Adams posted a sack against his former team, the New York Jets, and He got to Sam Darnold in the second quarter, which gives him eight and a half sacks during the 2020 season. It's an all-time single-season record for sacks by a defensive back. So it might have been a hefty price to pay to get those two first-round picks, uh, which the Seahawks surrendered. But they needed a playmaker, and it it certainly hasn't been Jamal Adams' fault that uh, the Seahawks' secondary has been bad this season.
0: And, and again, this may just be you know me going off on on a, a tangent here, but I I, I kind of think Jamal Adams is more of a linebacker, don't you?
1: He's just a playmaker. Right. Let, let's yeah. just call him what it is. He's like a defensive specialist. Yep. Yep. Right? He struggles in coverage, but he makes a oh, lot. Oh yeah, of plays he's a great player.
0: I mean, no, I'm not taking anything away from him as a player, but it just seems like he just seems like more of a linebacker than he is a defensive back. So.
1: He's an in-box safety that makes a lot of plays against the run and certainly makes makes a difference on, on those blitz packages and is another weapon that, that you can send out yep. there. So we'll, we'll see if it works out for the Seahawks. It's The AFC is pretty much clear to me. It looks like it's the Chiefs' conference to win unless something happens. With the NFC, it's, it's a bit more trickier because it just seems like you want to believe in some team and then... They lay an egg like the Saints did last week. So I'm still looking for that team to rise. And, and Russ has been struggling the past couple of weeks, hasn't been able to, to find his footing. I guess we uh, we jinxed him with that MVP talk midway through the season. So the NFC is... Is a lot trickier of of a conference.
0: Wide open, right? I mean, it's, it, the path may have to go through Green Bay, and that's going to have its challenges for the other teams. But uh, Seattle's got quite. I mean, the Rams could get on a roll, you know, if they those games fall right the way they run the ball, the way that defense is playing. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to it's going to be an open, fun playoffs to watch. All right, gang. I think that's that's going to do it for this week. Kansas City minus three. I can't make it an official pick. No, I I was going to do it. We're going to leave it at three. So for my co-host, Alex Kaptoff, I'm Lou. And as always on the way out, we wish you peace.